Mr. Irwin. Can you hear me okay? What's going on? Uh, just kind of, you know, chugging along. Am I am I coming in through my um through my microphone? Does it sound right? I I hear you. Yeah. Cool. We're having a conversation. <laughs> we are. Are we aren't live now? Are we? We're live now. We're going. People are in the room. We got <laughs> some regulars that just tweeted it out. Hopefully, some more people come in. Fantastic. Hi, everybody. How uh how are things over on the left coast? Uh well I'm I'm actually in Texas. So oh. yeah, I'm I'm not a I'm not a coastal elite. I um things are things are good though. Things are you know, the Lakers made a trade and uh they unfortunately lost their thirty third consecutive game to the Clippers, unfortunately, but but um beyond that I think vibes are about as good as they've they've seemed to this point in the season um, with AD coming back uh, potentially later tonight as well. There you go. Um, Do we want to make a note about your former employer, what what your current situation is now, or do you want to save sappy well wishes for the end? Oh, I I don't, I don't even know if if we have to get all that sappy. Um, Yeah. I used to be at, at uh, silver screen and roll. I used to, to do the podcasts over there. Unfortunately, Vox is um, they they laid off you know seven percent of their full time and part time workforce. Um, Vox didn't, as part of their announcement, include all of the contractors that were also let go when you know they're shuttering sites and they're um, shuttering pod feeds and stuff. But but unfortunately, I was I was on one of the unlucky few who were let go and. Uh, and but but you know I, I guess if people are interested in an update on that front, uh, things are looking really good um, in 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 terms of what comes next. Like I can't get into too much detail right now. There's a lot of conversations going on, but but for right now, it, it does look like things are looking up. Well, that's great to hear. Um, obviously, having you on the show, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of I'm a fan of you. I'm a fan of the. The bits and the and the personality that you bring online. Um, I know some Lakers staffers have uh, rolled their eyes a bit at some of the the takes and the silliness, but I've always been an admirer yeah. from afar. And if I can say this, um, I know it's not the case for everyone, but when I the, the the one time I was let go during my career from a big corporate beheading situation. Pretty much everyone I know that got let go at SI back in the fall of 2019, it opened a ton of doors and it kind of worked out for the best for everyone involved. So I hope, I know that that was a privileged position for a lot of folks, but uh, a lot of people reached out to me then saying it could be, uh, the door closing could open a lot of doors. So as cliche as that is, I hope the same for you. And it's glad to, uh, I'm glad to hear it. It sounds like that's kind of where things are headed. Yeah, it's you know, it's always nerve wracking. It was it was certainly a surprise to get that information, but or to to get that update. But you know, uh, you know, you, you tweet out that you know you're, you're I'm no longer with Vox, and and yeah, within hours there were um, obviously the outpouring of support was just you know 
I, I was, uh, you know, you reached out, all kinds of people reached out. I thank you for offering me a spot on the show. Um, and then, and then platforms started reaching out. So what's, what's next with, with the feed, what's coming on with, with you, what's go, what's going on with, with all of that content. And, uh, through those conversations, it, it really does look like everybody, you know, that, uh, for whatever reason, people are, are kind of, you know, circling around and, and trying to, to figure something out here. And, and, uh, hopefully that I'm, I'm really hoping that in the next couple of weeks or so, I'll have um, a pretty cool update for everybody. There you go, man. Well, yep. while we're speaking optimistically about change afoot, <laughs> is that how yeah. you feel about the professional basketball team in Los Angeles that you uh, at least pretend to have fandom for? Because sometimes it's, I'm, I'm not so sure. <laughs> uh, you know, I look, I would not, I would not be this passionate or or, or get as annoyed about about some of the decisions that are being made if if that fanhood had completely died out it, it does you know unfortunately kind of start to subside the more that you kind of learn how the the sausage is made but yeah in terms of like the the direction of the organization i think the Rui trade um you know as as people listening they did trade kendrick nunn and uh three second rounders for Rui Hachimura of the Washington Wizards. Uh, he joins Troy Brown, Russell Westbrook, and I'm I'm forgetting someone else as as former Washington Wizards on this uh, Lakers roster. So uh, and Rob Polinka actually spoke in his intro presser with uh, Rui sitting next to him. Spoke about the relationship that he has with Tommy Shepard and and the uh, you know deals that they have made <clears throat> together. So. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's it's good value. I think for both teams, three second rounders is quite a bit, especially if you're counting. Uh, I believe they're they're sending over a Chicago second rounder, and depending yep. on how that season goes, that is that could be a valuable. You know, that's that's a higher second rounder potentially. And uh, for the Lakers, they finally have a wing. <laughs> they they finally have somebody six eight ish who uh, can shoot threes and. They've been kind of desperate for that type of player to this point. And uh, Kendrick Nunn gets an opportunity to move away from a, a really, you know, kind of swamped. Uh, I, <laughs> it's one thing to say claustrophobic or, 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 or complicated backcourt, but the Lakers, they had like 37 tiny little guards. So for him, he gets an opportunity to, to go out and play somewhere with a little bit more opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a tip from someone in the league on Friday that Kendrick Nunn in two seconds was the Lakers offer there. Um, and I heard more clearly on Monday afternoon after the deal went down that it wasn't exactly like a formal offer with these picks involved more so like that was kind of the the general value the Lakers were looking to send out. And obviously Cam Reddish was a target of theirs. I don't know exactly other players that fit that package in terms of like who was on the Lakers radar, who actually would have been available for that price. Like Bojan Bogdanovich is not coming back to the Lakers for Kendrick Dunn in two seconds, right? As much as Mm -hmm. Lakers would love to have done something like that. That being said, you know, 
Rui's been pretty inconsistent throughout his career. Um, yep. I mean, if you're getting a 44% three-point shooter, which he shot last season, um, that obviously would be a remarkable addition for a Lakers team that um, is streaky, to say the least, from this <laughs> right? Um, uh, and, that's, that's, that's a nice way of putting it, yeah. And they don't have – I mean – this is not a team with an obvious table-setting point guard um, or many guys who can go and get their own shot. And Rui at least has some type of ability on the wings to catch and attack closeouts. He's got a couple of triple pull-ups in his bag. Um, but he is an upcoming free agent. And as I've written about, as uh, I saw a couple other people write about, I mean, it clearly takes a big – I mean, you don't make this deal if you're the Lakers for a former lottery pick coming up um, in his contract on restricted free agency without looking to re-sign him. And his cap hold of $18.8 million will pretty much cut whatever cap space the Lakers thought they were going to have in half until they offer him a deal. He's going to probably want, I mean, above the taxpayer mid-level. That's what any player in his position would want. How high will that get? Close to 20? No, that, that'll be depending on his performance. But to me, it's super interesting um, that we heard all these lofty ideas of Kyrie and free agency, or when once we get to the offseason, then the Lakers suddenly have three first-round picks to trade. Could they turn around and use that for a Bradley Beal or a Zach Levine or whatever? All those routes are a little more difficult now. A lot more difficult now. Do do you think Rui Hachimura was someone that um, is enough of a benefit at this juncture of the Lakers season uh, and potentially beyond? Because he is, you know, he is a young player, and the Lakers have had few young players with upside on this team in the LeBron James era, or, or at least after they made the big Anthony Davis trade. So was all that, and and is he worth? that type of limited flexibility moving forward. Although there are other avenues like sign trades and whatnot. And Lakers people I talk to aren't really concerned about the lack of flexibility, but it, it, it does at least present uh, a roadblock, if you will. Yeah. I, I always thought that the 30 or so million dollars in cap space was kind of an inefficient way to go about retooling the roster. Um, in order to get there, you were, they would have to renounce you know, all kind. You know, whoever is is not Anthony Davis and LeBron James, essentially, and then you know you would have. And, and unfortunately, Austin Reeves' cap hold is so tiny that that wouldn't get in the way very much. And you know that you have like a player option in Damian Jones, who normally player options at the minimum don't get picked up, but even if it does or doesn't, it doesn't really hurt the Lakers. So, but it, it was still like you would still have multiple expiring contracts just kind of not get utilized over the course of the season. They do have not just the two first rounders that everybody has talked about for most of this year, but they, they have upwards of seven second rounders that they can still move right now. Um, you have, you have it on draft night, they would be able to draft a player and then trade that player. Um, and, and in that way, be able to move three picks, but like, I, I, I don't know. I, just think if you're if you're going to do that, everybody keeps talking about. And Rob Polinka likes to talk about the opportunity cost that is involved with trading the two picks now, and how they wouldn't be able to use those picks again later. But 
I don't know, wasting a season in which LeBron, since tur- since he turned 38, is capable of averaging 36 points a night. That feels like <laughs> quite the opportunity cost too. Like that, that that doesn't seem like something that that seems all that intelligent to me anyway. And um, you know, it's funny the way that the Rui thing went down. Um, I I had uh, recorded a podcast because there was a report that the Wizards are interested in moving Rui so that they can open up uh, space for uh, Dev- Denny and then they could uh, re-sign Kuz and that this would send a message to everybody that they are going to re-sign Kuz. And I kind of rolled my eyes at it on on the pod and then was kind of told, no, 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 you don't want to, don't, don't do that. The, the Rui stuff is pretty real. And then I come to find out that, yeah, before they had finally made that trade, with uh Washington that the Lakers and uh you know that Rob Lincoln and Tommy uh Shepard they were they were working together on this one for upwards of a week and they've been in contact all season long about Kuzma but Washington is just refusing to to move off of him um with the thought that they're going to be able to bring him back so yeah the the Rui thing I was kind of surprised that he would be available he was just a lottery pick a few seasons ago a top 10 pick a few seasons ago and and hasn't been like this isn't a oh man who's the who's the Phoenix Suns big who played like five years in summer league Dragon Bender Dragon this Bender. isn't like this this isn't like a Dragon Bender situation where Rui just hasn't shown anything at all um, I I think he's shown enough that I think Lakers fans can be kind of optimistic about he is still a project but the Lakers do have Phil Handy who kind of specializes in that kind of project. So I, I think it really does work out for everybody. And Rui, you know, he even uh, confirmed that while he was at Gonzaga, he was telling his teammates that one day he wanted to play in Staples Center as like his his nightly gig, and, and he gets his wish too. Yeah. I, I mean, a couple of things there. One, yeah, the Wizards have been adamant. They're not looking to move Kakuzma. They are. Yeah. Very, very, very staunch in their position that they will be able to re-sign him, even though he is, I mean, fully intending to opt out of his player option for next season, reach free agency. And I, I think, look, with someone who played in L.A. and clearly had a boost of his popularity from playing in L.A., um, like... I think a lot of people in the league are making assumptions that Kyle Kuzma wants to go to a big market. I think he just wants, I think a lot of these guys just want to get paid. Like I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily of the belief that Kyle Kuzma is just looking to bolt from Washington for the, for like, you know, a star or situation of a bigger market, more marketing opportunities, whatever. Um, But if he if he does leave, that this is a story for another podcast, and I will be having Mike Prada on tomorrow to talk about the Wizards' angle of this. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Um, but I think from the Lakers' side of things, it is interesting that and a lot of people in the league I talked to commented on how early this deal got done. Right, you know, two weeks mm-hmm. from tomorrow is the deadline, and I was planning on writing a story this week probably for today about why the market is so quiet 
until we had this deal happen. And I still think the market will be quiet. It's still pretty quiet. <laughs> yeah, I still think the market will be quiet until um, we get closer to February 9th because Rui's situation escalated a bit quickly. But the only real pieces involved there were, again, the Jay Crowder domino that's been hanging over this trade market since, you know, October. Um, and the Pacers. Collins. Yeah, I don't think I don't, I don't think Collins is really that involved in this uh, situation. I could be wrong, but I, I, that, that that didn't pop up for me at all. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of that is because so many teams asking prices are so high. I mean, someone told me last week that the Chicago Bulls think they could get two first round picks for Alex Caruso. So, like, and Lakers fans listening surely value Alex Caruso. And long for the days of Alex Caruso, but I doubt even Lakers fans think he's worth two first round picks. No, so, no, probably not. The fact that the Wizards were able to move or were willing to move Rui for three seconds and that Chicago pick he talked about, um, you know, it could end up being like a de facto first rounder. The Bulls mm-hmm. are in the bottom 10 of the league right now. If they end up getting a second round pick in the top 40 between picks 30 and 40. It's a way to find first-round talent without having guaranteed deals and blah, blah, blah. It certainly helps teams like Washington that's going to have an exorbitant payroll if they can factor Kuzma and KP back into it. Um, but I don't know. Were you happy from the flip side that the Lakers went and acted now and, and they kind of zigged while the quiet market is, is zagging, if you will? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a bunch of factors. And I actually wrote about this right before um, I was like, oh, but I – the the flattening of the lottery odds i think has really impacted the market out there you know there there isn't as much incentive to just outright tank um as there used to be under the under the other lottery odds um and then the play in game has really convinced a lot more teams and i think more importantly owners hey if if we if we just kind of hang around long enough we might be able to get ourselves a de facto like playoff game at home potentially that we wouldn't otherwise have been able to get. So between those two things, I think, you know, you've seen the prices go up and then the go bear trade just really threw everybody for, I don't, I remember, I still rem- remember when it went down, um, you know, talking to somebody and they're like, they're going to have to add a third round to the draft to, to, to restabilize this market because from here on out, it, it why ask for anything less than than multiple first round picks for somebody who even kind of helps you do some winning um so i uh, i i there was a, written up the other day what the raptors are asking for for all of their guys and um you know all of it starts at if not two first rounders a first rounder and somebody who you know is is that kind of talented player a a, a young first round talent and, um, yeah, I actually think it was smart that the Lakers just kind of dove in here early. And I'm kind of curious from your perspective, if you've heard the market kind of stabilizing after, you know, yes, he is going to be a free agent. Yes. He, he's been up and down to this point in his career, but this is still the top 10, uh, wing who went for less than a first rounder. Have, have you heard anything about the, the market, kind of taking a deep breath here and and the idea that some of these guys are still going to fetch multiple unprotected first rounders? I have not yet, honestly. And That's crazy. I think, look, like there's plenty of time 
for that to change. And so many people who are also at one point complaining that teams asking prices are too high. They're also saying, well, this happens every year. And mm-hmm. eventually, I mean, the Pistons a year ago this time were asking for two first round picks for Jeremy Grant. They end up moving him um, uh, before the draft or during the draft, whatever the timeline was, sometime last offseason for just one first round pick, right? Yep. So prices come, come down all the time. But then you look at, I remember when Tyreek Evans was with the Grizzlies a few years back. Um, I forget what year. <laughs> what a pool. Might have been 18. <laughs> He's the one that comes to mind because I remember that the Grizzlies had multiple offers of two second round picks for him. They were refusing to move him for anything less than a first round pick. And they never did. And then he walked in for agency the next year. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people in the league looked at that as a loss for Memphis's side of things. Um, so we'll see. I mean, like the Rockets have been asking for a first round pick for Eric Gordon for three years now, and they haven't gotten one yet. And he's only gotten <laughs> yeah. older. So I don't, I don't know if a Rui Hachimura trade is going to, you know, that that's not a, like a deal that I think, I mean, I think it could have ripple effects and nothing in this league, no transaction takes place in a vacuum, but this just wasn't the type of like needle moving move that yeah I think both a sparks activity for other teams to answer, you know, like the trailblazers or the Timberwolves, other teams that had, you know, real postseason aspirations that are hanging around the Lakers, you know, ballpark of the standings right now. I don't think they're looking at the Lakers getting Rui Hachimura, no offense to Rui Hachimura, and saying, oh, God, we got to upgrade in the arms race right now. And I don't think him going for three seconds is going to change. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks have been trying to figure out ways to have multiple seconds out the door to get a Jay Crowder, to get an Eric Gordon, or what have you. Um, you know, for weeks now, and it hasn't happened yet. So I don't I don't know if that things are going to change um, because of that. Um, we've had two weeks in the call queue for a little while now, two weeks, feel free to unmute yourself and uh, ask us a question. Unmute. Hey, uh, hey guys. What's going on? How's it going? Hey, uh, just wanted to give a shout out to Anthony real quick. Uh, On behalf of Laker nation, we definitely miss you. Uh, It's been, it's kind of weird waking up every morning and not seeing like a lowdown pod or you know any any of the feed um so uh you're greatly missed even if it's only been a few days uh definitely no, miss I, you. I, and i wish you the i best. appreciate that man i i really do hoping hoping to have lowdowns and all of that stuff here back before you uh before you know it all right well we'll uh well i know i i'll definitely follow wherever you go so uh, uh looking forward to that Thank hey you. uh real quick um jake uh, anthony you can answer this too do you think that the Rui deal makes it more likely that the Lakers could pursue a rush trade. I mean, if cap space is not really an option anymore, I don't know why we're, we'd keep Russ to let him expire. So do you think we'd try to pursue that more strongly? Um, it's a fair point. I think what's always been the case with a rush trade has been that the like guiding principle from the Lakers, from everything I've heard, is more so related to the return that they would get back for those picks than anything else. Like, as much as they 
wanted to and ha- and had wanted to preserve flexibility. Like they know they need to get better now, and they know they only have limited capital to do so moving forward. And there's been a consistent theme of the Lakers not wanting to you know mortgage their future for a return that isn't you know an obvious gung ho moving us up the ladder of contending, you know, type of outcome. So, like, if Buddy Heald and Miles Turner is your benchmark of what was close but not enough, like, that, that, that that's still rings true. You know, if, like, there's an opportunity for the Lakers to move Russ and the two picks, let's say, for Gary Trent and Fred VanVleet, like, that's something that people at least talked about as an idea, right? Just trying to see potential outcomes where if, if, the, if the Raptors do decide to pull the plug here, right? Um, like, is that enough for the Lakers to get better now and in the future? Like, I don't know. I, I think it's going to come down more so to, like, is is the haul they're getting back or is the return they're getting back something that really moves the needle and changes the outcome of the franchise trajectory than just, like, something that makes them a bit, a bit better, you know? I mean, Anthony, you, I think you commented on that because Rob said something to the effect of a, a, a favorite for the title, right? Not just a contender. Yeah, it, it's funny. To this point, the thought was that any trade involving those two picks would make the Lakers a championship contender. Um, I And... and you know that's been kind of the the constant theme in in that regard, and then because of how kind of mediocre the West has been this year, you could kind of see them contending to get out of the conference with with the right move. And now all of a sudden it's it's funny to hear, uh, well, no, the trade has to make us a championship front runner, and uh, that those trades just don't happen very much. Like I was trying to think of examples of trades. Uh, that could be agreed to right now that would make any team a championship front runner that isn't right now. And if that's kind of the line, it feels again, like kind of an excuse to kick the can down the road on, on not trading those two first round picks. Um, the other part of it too. And, and the, the cap part of this is, is important. If they do extend or if they do resign Hachimura after the season, then almost all of that, that, you know, at least half of that cap room is gone. Um, and if if that's kind of the notion of what they're looking to do, then uh, if that's the direction that is not utilizing the cap, then if it isn't a rush trade, I do think Patrick Beverly, I do think Lonnie Walker, I think do I, those kinds of contracts, um, Damian Jones, because he's just an expiring minimum who isn't playing, uh, those kinds of contracts I do think become more likely to be moved right now. Russ is kind of complicated Jeannie Buss apparently um, vouched for not trading him in the offseason. And uh, it's kind of hard to, to see them kind of changing their minds, especially after seeing the, num- the number of jerseys he sold to this point in the season. But uh, I, I, I do think if this Rui trade is kind of a first step towards not rebuilding through cap space, then Patrick Beverly, um, Lonnie Walker, if, th- if they could turn those guys into – another wing, maybe not of Boyan stature because that would require that, that first round pick. But if they could turn those guys into another uh, contract that is not seen as, as great around the league, that's, that's something I could probably see coming to, to fruition. Yeah. I, I think they're 
definitely open to trading one first round pick to go get yeah. some that help them there. I mean, the Bogdanovich framework is something that I think they're very comfortable doing. Patrick Beverly, a pick, and whatever other salary filler is needed, uh, whether it's Lonnie Walker or down below, um, to really upgrade this team a bit fu- a bit further. I think that's on the table. But a, a rush trade, I really would be surprised by. Um, yeah. I mean, it, w- it would have to take someone of the Bradley Beal, Zach Levine magnitude to, um, to really, I, I think, become available and, and move the, and, and really move the Lakers to want to actually put those picks on the, on the table. And the only way to move Russ is if both those picks are going, going out the door. So that's why I'm talking about it in such a, such an absolute. Yeah. Um, and, and also like the, they like the idea of having three, stars right even if russ isn't playing like a superstar anymore he's selling jerseys like a like a superstar does and if they do move russ's contract i think i do think they're really kind of focusing on on somebody of that kind of stature coming back and i thought it was kind of interesting zach Lowe recorded a pod uh earlier today or yesterday whenever he did and he threw out and they both actually threw out a zach levine trade and how it kind of made sense for the for chicago too i don't I could understand why Chicago fans listening to that would be kind of livid at the idea of it, but your season isn't going anywhere anyway. You could get two first rounders and, and an expiring contract and, and try to reset anyway. I do think it makes more sense than than thought, but usually when Zach throws out that kind of a trade, it doesn't normally come from nowhere. And and that kind of, I raised my eyebrow when I, when I heard that one. I was kind of, oh, all right, I'll, I'll store that in the back of the mind and maybe do some digging later. Yeah, people I've spoken to are still a little skeptical. Chicago will actually pull the plug and 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 really decide to move towards a rebuild, but it's not. It's something people are still monitoring. So we shall see. Um, let's let's take this last question from TJ, and then uh, we'll let Anthony get back to his family as a good father that he is. TJ, what's up? <laughs> Nothing much, man. Uh, really glad to be on the show. Uh, been been following. Jake and, and Anthony for actually quite a while, especially um, especially on Silver Screen and Roll. So glad to be on. Thank Thanks you. Hop it on. How can we help? <laughs> no worries. I'm actually I'm actually more just so interested in what's going on in Toronto. I know there's been a, like a lot of reports about them possibly considering blowing it up, trading Siakam, trading OG on Anubi. Um, right now, I hear like the reports are that they want like the Godfather package for you know any of their wings or their core players, but like is that reflective of what? teams on the market are actually willing to pay or is that more of like a leverage play by Toronto to try and get as many assets as possible? Yeah. Great question. Um, I mean, first of all, I would be shocked if Pascal was moved before the deadline. I really would. Um, I, th- I think it's not impossible, but he wants to be in Toronto from everything I've heard. Um, and I, I don't think that, the rappers necessarily need to like split the timeline here of like choosing him or Scotty, right? Um, the stuff that comes to a head is all contract based. With that, Gary Trent's going to be a free agent when he can decline his player option. Fred VanVleet is very likely to head to free agency if he doesn't, uh, you know, sign an extension, which seems unlikely, being that he has had all all season to do it. And has not, um, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean he wouldn't be willing to resign in Toronto. Um, 
And then OG is in a very similar situation to DeJounte Murray last summer where um, his contract expires or he has an option to get out in 2024. And because of the CBA and because of his, um, you know, relatively modest salary on 18 million, he's not going to be able to sign an extension for um, the amount he's going to want. Um, and that kind of just basically guarantees he'll become an unrestricted free agent, which is something maybe Toronto would want to avoid. So to get to your question about the prices, I do think of all those guys, OG is the one with the asking price that um, I think is possible that they'll, they'll get that met. You know, Raps fan in the comments is saying, OG to the Pelicans, he's down for. Like, the Pelicans, I think, are certainly monitoring the OG Ananobis and the John Collinses of the world, and they've got plenty of picks to do it. And if, you know, you know the Indiana Pacers would be a, a team that would love to get OG Ananobi into their rebuild if the price was right. Like, there, there's going to be a competitive market for him. Can he ultimately pull like a DeJounte Murray type return? I think that's possible. Fred, I'm not so sure how big of a return he could get. Um, and Gary Trent, I think it's, it's a far lower, uh, uh, you know, package back that Toronto would be uh, receiving. And, and maybe he's even, maybe they don't even end up selling those guys. It's more of like a, I mean, the way they got Gary Trent to begin with was flipping Norm Powell for him. So maybe it's more of like a we send Gary out the door for someone else type of deal. But no, I, I don't think the rappers are going to be in a situation like the Orlando Magic uh, two years ago where they got two firsts for Vooch, one first for Aaron Gordon, a bunch of seconds for Evan Fournier. I, I think the prices are, are a little bit higher on the other two guys on um, what the rest of the market uh, is reflecting, but to wrap this up, I do think there's a lot of interest in OG Ananobi, and they might be able to get that price. I, re- I really do think that. Is there any volatility, yeah. do you think, with their like day-to-day evaluations? Because like, I know from what I've heard that it's basically um, – like basically their their uh, their spot in the standings is like below the Washington Wizards right now, and I think they're two games out of the playing spot. Um, I know that Masai's generally not very interested in fielding a team that's like not even playing level. Yeah. So uh, I guess I'm curious as to like, is it a thing where it's like, okay, next week we're in the play-ins, so maybe we're not thinking trade, or or, or if we're still out of the play-ins, then maybe we are thinking trade. No, I, I think they're going to do something. I, I really do think they're going to. You're right. Like they're not just going to hold Pat in the middle. They're gonna they're gonna either make a big move to help them move this team ceiling further, which obviously it seems less and less likely the more that they fall down the standings. Um, but I. I think that, like, I, I mean, I just don't know that they're going to be getting the actual returns for Fred and for Gary that, that they want. Um, I mean, the point guard market is limited. You know, D'Angelo Russell's name is floating out there. The Clippers are looking for point guard help. Um, the Phoenix Suns have definitely left teams with the impression that they want to try to find a Chris Paul backup who could be a long-term replacement. Um, but I, I don't know if those teams are like have the salary and have the appetite to go pay for someone who's been like a franchise leader and a focal point of that team for, for so long. Um, Anthony, any final thoughts, anything you want to share, anything you want to ask me before I let you get out of here? Um, the Toronto thing is really interesting. They're on their way to being a luxury tax team that, is not 
like anywhere near championship contention, maybe not yep. being a, a playoff con- uh, contender. And, and that usually, like, usually it, it's, it's easy now when you have like another couple weeks or so before the deadline to say, we're willing to just ride this thing out rather than set a market that is below where we want it to be with one of these trades. But as you get closer to the deadline and as the owner starts looking at that tax bill for a team that isn't competitive, that's where you start to see a little bit of pressure. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, as far as like those players, OG would immediately fit anywhere. <laughs> so, so like even, even while I Pascal is a little tougher because um you know, he was the second best player on a championship team when, when Kawhi was there and then um, has continued to develop and is kind of the perfect second best player. But most teams that would be making a trade uh, to take that next step have a second best player already. So that gets a little tricky. And then Fred Van Vliet means so much to that organization, that city, that they're never going to value him according to what another team is willing to pay. So it's just... The whole thing there is really tricky, but it, I, I do think they become more flexible as they get closer to the deadline. And um, yeah, I, Jake, I do have one quick question before we get out of here. Yeah. Um, the 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 Lakers to this point have, uh, I don't know if you've if you if you've kind of heard it the same way I have, but the Lakers to this point have really drawn this line in the sand where Le- LeBron's in, input. In, in personnel and the amount of pressure he puts publicly on them just isn't going to phase them. Isn't gonna, isn't, you know, it, I, I've heard it so much is that there's almost like a bus faction and a class faction within the Lakers. And um, I'm curious, a, if you've heard that much and, and B, if that's, if that relationship you think is something can be kind of resolved um, even if the Lakers or especially if the Lakers don't wind up making a trade with one of at least one of those first round picks. I I mean, there's so much that gets said publicly and privately to try to like, and I don't want to say leverage, but that's just kind of what it is. Right. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like there's no one close to the situation who really thinks there's any, likely outcome other than LeBron finishing his career with the Lakers and the Lakers trying to maximize that as long as they can, while also still trying to be frugal um, and pragmatic at the cost of doing it. Right. Because the situation they're in right now being, being potentially, you know, this bad by season's end and the standings wise and giving up a top 10 pick or whatever it is to the Pelicans. um, And it's, it'd be tough to, to try to, fix that error by putting yourself into a position again to re- recreate that history. Right. So mm-hmm. I think also there's like a recognition that like LeBron won't be here forever. And there needs to be some type of look to the, to that post LeBron feature too. Um, but like, it's been a trying season for all parties involved. The rush trade obviously set the stage for this two years ago. Um, but I think, as long as there is a healthy Anthony Davis by his side and there are moves being made to raise the ceiling. Like I, I think like that's a fine place for the Lakers to be. And we've seen them convince people like yourself and Dom and Rangula 
over in a couple of stretches that, oh, this team could be a contender, you know? So um, I think it's really just going to come down to health. And um, as cliche as that is, like once this whole group gets moving and they add one or two little things here, like I, I, I don't think the like doomsday scenario, LeBron requesting a trade or them like sending him out the door. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's really a, a possibility at all. Yeah. It feels less likely than it did a few weeks back. Um, when, when, you know, AD had just gone down, I think the Lakers got blown out and, Oh no, he had just lost in Miami and LeBron started talking about how he, you know, playing basketball for the sake of basketball wasn't in his DNA. And, that was like the loudest it got obviously publicly, but then privately, you know, it, it, it you know, it, clearly it, it, it escalated even further, but with some of the winning that they've done, and, and I'm really kind of curious how it plays out here with Rui. I don't see him as he wouldn't be available for what the Lakers got him for. If he was capable of actually shifting the outcome of their season in any significant way, but just having a player in that size range and having one fewer player that Darvin Ham can play in like these three and four guard lineups, I do think is going <laughs> to really help guys kind of fit a little bit better. And, and we'll just kind of see how that plays out. And, and if they, if they stay competitive and more importantly here with Anthony Davis, if he's able to stay on the floor and like, he's going to start with the 20 to 24, I guess, minute uh, restriction tonight, and then hopefully, you know, become more and more available. If his body holds up as we approach the deadline, there's really no reason to hold on to picks half a decade from now. If that's a team that is capable of, of at least coming out of the conference. I, and, and there isn't a team in the NBA right now that I see that I'm just like in any seven game series, the Lakers have zero chance whatsoever with like, you know, uh, an extra piece or two here and there. Yeah. I think they just want to, like the fact that Rui is someone who could in theory help them now and later. Yeah. And the fact that Miles Turner is only 25 years old or was at the time, like that's what I mean in terms of wanting to think about the future too. Like, I don't think yeah. they're going to mortgage those picks for DeMar DeRozan. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's going to be someone who can help now and, and for the future. And honestly, I think now any- watch them trade for Bradley Beal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, I think any idea of LeBron potential leaving the franchise went out the door when he re-signed. Like, there was a lot of talk and a lot of chatter around All-Star Weekend last year about Cleveland and him wanting to go play where Bronny plays. Like, maybe that happens down the line, but anything while he's playing at this level, I mean, he's he he is the star of the Lakers right now. And I think that's going to be the case until he's no longer capable of carrying a team. Yeah, I I would, I would agree. There you go. All right, man. Thanks for popping on. We look forward to following wherever your work pops up soon. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with Mike Prada at two 30 Eastern. Um, And I believe I've got a, a special insider guest to lined up for Friday. So stay tuned for that. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the games. Anthony. Thanks, man. Thanks, everybody.